0: Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Uh, Before I read our passage, let's go to the Lord in prayer that he would bless the reading and preaching of his word. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come again. Come again before you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we beseech you that as you gave your Holy Spirit unto St. Luke, that these words might be recorded for our infallible instruction, so that your same Spirit would dwell within our hearts, that your word might find good ground, that your word might find in us not hard hearts or shallow hearts or even distracted hearts that bear no fruit, but that uh, our hearts might take these words to heart, and we ask, dear Lord, that your word would produce fruit in our lives, that it would produce the fruit of repentance from sin, faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and obedience to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. Here we have before us a a very familiar passage of Scripture, Uh, one of those that even uh, in the world about us at this time of year, uh, we we will see them on the airways and whatnot, uh, particularly uh, Linus, who reads a much longer passage than what I just read to you. Nevertheless, uh, it is also one of these that we ought to take for granted, uh, that we read over, we uh, might... uh, Question this or that about it. We we are often curiously distracted by certain changes in translation and uh, of of the history and the narrative there, and some of those are here, uh, just to bring forth one of those that is now the the little uh, Bible trivia du jour. Uh, the the inn in verse seven is the same room for a guest room. It's it's exactly the same. Word that is used in chapter twenty-two, verse eleven, for what would be the upper room where Christ celebrates uh, the Lord's Supper with his disciples, and so uh, then you will have a lot of egg-headed know-it-alls tell us that uh, that our image of Jesus being born in a stable, out apart from the caravanserai or whatever, is is one that is completely and totally. Fictional, and that uh, rather the, the houses, which is true, uh, being multiple stories in those days, having a stable attached uh, in the lower story, uh, there was just no room for Mary and Joseph in the main living area, and they were relegated uh, to the stables, which might be true, uh, but the words can have multiple understandings and meanings. But the point of it all. Is, shouldn't be lost that here you have a woman great with child who no accommodation was able to be made for and having to give birth uh, probably not too far from the ash she rode in on into Bethlehem. Uh, and so uh, it does speak of, if not the destitution, but nevertheless the poverty and the lowliness in which the Son of God was born, and and so we want to look at just this aspect of Christ's birth. There will this and another one this morning, uh, that Christ's coming is counterintuitive to the way we would expect the Son of God to come into the world, and in fact, it has throughout history been. A point of contention and question and skepticism uh, that the Son of God would come into the world in this way, and yet we will see that it exactly follows the pattern of God in all of his works. Uh, and so we will see that the coming of Christ is typical of God's work, and what then that, that teaches us about the work of Christ in our own hearts, in our own lives, and in his church today. So, uh, the two things, uh, we could divide the passage in, in several different ways, but if we look at the verses 1 through 5, we see the the taxation, and it is a taxation, it's a census in order for taxing, uh, that was done in the days of Caesar Augustus, uh, when Cyrenius or Quirinius not was officially governor in Syria, Syria, that comes later, but when he was governing in Syria, uh, and uh, this was... In the days of Herod, Uh, we can date it uh, anywhere between 6 BC and 2 BC, uh, depending on other calculations that one may make. Uh, And this was a time uh, that Israel, as we've seen before, or at least Judea, was under the Roman yoke, uh, was uh, subject to the puppet king Herod that the tribe of Judah had, by Herod, been extinguished out of the Sanhedrin, and so the scepter had finally fallen completely away from the tribe of David. That David held no honor in the people of his birth, Uh, not that there wouldn't have been private honors, but nothing that counted, Uh, that the people were brought as low as they had ever been since the promises made unto David. And the world was, in these days, quite dark. Uh, as we saw with Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, the, the parents of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, uh, the, they were noted as being a somewhat minor priest, nevertheless noted for his holiness and righteousness. And, and as we read through the Gospels, we'll note that, that the, the powers that be are the, the, in the Sanhedrin are the, the Sadducees, which are gross materialists of the day. They held the cheapest honors in religion and cared nothing for them. Uh, they used them as, as ways to establish their power and authority and, and wealth uh, in the Roman Empire. And yet, the symbol of all tyranny, uh, this symbol, uh, perhaps not to the Romans, but at least to the Hebrews, uh, the symbol of conquest and degradation, was used by God to work his ends. And we see the Lord moving secretly to attain his ends in these first five verses. Uh, The emphasis of uh, Luke is—he's not seeking to date, but he's seeking to explain why things are happening. In the days of Caesar Augustus, the decree went forth that the world should be taxed, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. It, this is perhaps certainly uh, ancestral cities uh, in in Palestine and in Egypt and other parts of the Roman Empire. It may have been defined a little differently. It's unclear. Uh, Our records of those errors are are scanty, but but we do know now that this was typical in Egypt and in Palestine. Uh, And so they go to their own cities, and therefore, and for that reason alone, uh, Joseph and Mary uh, head to Bethlehem, uh, the ancestral city of, of not all of Judah, but of those of the line of David. And so Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. We heard that this morning from Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. And so when the Magi came unto uh, the leaders in Jerusalem and asked where the Christ should be born in Matthew, chapter 2, verse 5, they tell the magi that he is to be born in Bethlehem because this was the understanding that was there but we read that it was of no intention or at least we do not read that it was the intention of Joseph to to fulfill this prophecy or Mary to fulfill this prophecy they go for one reason one reason alone that the emperor of the world that they knew had told them to head to your ancestral home to be counted and enrolled into the taxation. And nor do we note that it was part of the message of Gabriel unto Mary. And it was not part of Gabriel's message unto Joseph, if you look in Matthew chapter 1. That the Lord had not intended to put that fulfillment of the prophecy as a burden upon Mary or a burden upon Mary or Joseph... In the coming in of Jesus Christ, Uh, this would be something that the Lord Himself will orchestrate, that the Lord Himself will take as part of that working of His own glory in the mysteries of the world. So He bent the will of empire to accomplish it. You know, it was no, not only was it not the intention of Mary or Joseph that Jesus should be born in Bethlehem, nor was it part of the mind of Caesar Augustus at the time. He probably didn't even consider much beyond the fact that those unruly, newly conquered folks over in the East uh, should be made burdensome uh, that we might tax them. And yet the will of a tyrant is made to serve, ultimately, uh, the undoing of that tyranny. Uh, But certainly made to serve the Lord God. And this is something that the Lord does very often. This is something that we see the Lord doing all the time. He brings forth uh, the, uh, the envy of Joseph's brothers to set up Joseph in such a place that when the Lord brings the plagues, he will uh, well, not the plagues when the Lord brings the, the drought, uh, Joseph would be honored and in such a position to save his brethren. He works that so that all Israel will be in Egypt while the Canaanites fulfill their iniquity and to, so that the Lord can bring them unto judgment. He hardens the heart of Pharaoh and makes him obstinate in such a way that he might bring. Israel out in the glory and in mercy. He creates the sun and the moon and the stars and the way the planets revolve and the vastness of the universe that he might bring forth in what, to astronomers, seems like an insignificant backwater of a place, his people on a planet in a lush environment in which he himself will stand amongst them. The Lord does things on grand scales for particular, small, insignificant by the measure of the world and even by the measure of man purposes. It's what he does. And yet, we'll note that even though he is bending the will of Caesar to accomplish the birth of the Christ in Bethlehem, that prophecies might be fulfilled, nevertheless, he's not making comfortable accommodations to Mary or to Joseph. It is to them a great deal of stress. I mean, think of us with modern transportation and and the comforts of our modern society. When a woman is great with child, she doesn't want to move a whole lot. We try to find a place for delivery close to the house so that when they send you away because they think she's crazy and not about to deliver, that you don't have another hour trip to make. And yet here, Joseph loaded her up. According to tradition, I don't know how accurate the tradition is, but it's certainly what would typically have happened. She's put on a donkey, and they travel. And it's not a lot, by the way, that the car drives. It's um, not it's not a huge amount of time, but it's a long time for a woman with child on a donkey. And then they get there, and whether or not they can find a place with friends or family whether or not they can find a place in the inn, it is nevertheless of such crowded conditions and uh, such overflowing uh, uh, and, and tight accommodations uh, that she is bringing forth her child in a stable. Because the cradle that is available to her is the feed trough, is the manger. And if it's overcrowded, it very well may be that she didn't have this stable to herself. We put up the little nativity scenes. We put up the, 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 the holy family. We put up the animals and we put up the, the shepherds and, and the, the wise men but we perhaps ought to, to crowd it in with other descendants and cousins and unknown second cousins and all these sorts of things. They're right there, and she, in the dignity of the all, has to give birth. God will move the empire to accomplish his will, but he's not necessarily going to make it comfortable for his people. But even that, he has a purpose. Nevertheless, his son is born in a mean and low condition. We see this in verse 6 and 7. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. He received no honor from his own people. Now, I don't imagine that in this home that there were people that were dishonoring Mary. But they certainly did not think much of her pregnancy and much of her condition, and certainly not enough to make room for her. And so it was that even here, what John says in general about Israel is true. In John 1, verses 9 through 11 that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Or as Paul writes in Romans fifteen three, quoting Psalm 69, For even as Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. But in doing this, he was beginning his great work. Because this is exactly the pattern that Jesus Christ uh, followed in everything that he did on our behalf. He took the lowest that he might raise it to the highest. And so we find in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 8, verse 9, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. There's always a great transference. There's, he is taking on himself our position that we might take upon ourselves his. He's not lowering himself just out of sympathies, he's lowering himself in order that being one with us, he might lift us up with him. He is the tide that lifts all ships, in other words. He undergirds us, and so he comes down to us and lifts us up from below. That's why he's called our foundation in many ways. He's our stability, certainly. But but he has already gone to the depths to rescue his people. And if we consider the state of mankind from the vantage point of God, it is absolutely true that he enters into the depths of condemnation, hell, and damnation to rescue his people. Because that's where we were by right. And so we see the pattern play out upon the cross in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. But he didn't just do that, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. So he takes upon us that we might take him upon ourselves, that we might enjoy his blessing, that we might find his relief. And this is not just in his work in times past. This isn't just what he did when he came into the world or what he did when he was on the cross and when he was raised up and when he ascended into heaven and took his place at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. It's what he does now in his reign. If you turn to Romans 8, Paul writes in verse 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children... Then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. These present trials are of vanity. They do not compare with the far greater weight of glory that is being worked in us. And so we are brought, in many ways, to the same place. We are told by Christ, Matthew 10, that that his followers have to deny themselves and take up that cross and follow him. That it is not as the the, the televangelists uh, or the 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 uh, the, the the evangelical salesmen might say that name it and claim it and if you're if you're if you don't if you're not prospering you're not believing hard enough that's not it at all if you believe. If you trust in the Lord, then you also believe that there's a cross that you're going to be carrying. But it's not a shameful cross, and you don't despise to carry it because you know that the cross leads to resurrection. It leads to glory. It leads to, as Peter says, partaking of the divine nature. God became man in Christ Jesus that we might partake of the divine glories in Jesus. And that is no mean trade-off. It's not even well balanced. It is all in the favor of God's mercy to us. These are the lessons and uses that we draw from this. Well, first, we ought not to to despise being made low for Christ. Uh, when we consider some of the things that you know, we might have to forego, we might have to tell our friends, and we might have to be cons- looked upon askance or called goody two-shoes or Puritans or are holier than thou, and we're afraid that we, uh, we might come across as inconsistent because we're very much aware of our own sinful history, and, and all of a sudden to be concerned about the things of God, uh, that in and of itself is... Presented to us as a temptation. Don't rock the boat. But we need to ask ourselves. Was he ashamed? To suffer for me. For you. Was he ashamed to be made low, who was rich beyond all splendor, who did not consider it robbery or a blasphemy to be considered equal with God because he was equal with God, and nevertheless made himself of no reputation, made himself nothing? And he didn't just do it for God's glory, though he did it for God's glory. He did it so that God would be glorified in mercy to sinners. That God will be glorified in his mercy to you and to me. That he prefer his celestial glory over you. And we know that's not the case. While we were yet enemies to God, the Lord showed his love to us in sending Christ. He died for us even while we were still rebelling against him. And so we do not despise the low things for the sake of Christ. But neither do we fret over the high things of the world. Because then we want to connect these two together. Christ was born in a manger. But even as he was born in the manger, he was subject to the providential hand of God that moved Caesar Augustus to have that manger in Bethlehem. And we need to remember that the works of the Lord are often worked out secretly... But effectually. That God is doing things that we may never see the end of until that glorious day in which we are made like unto our Saviour. But He is working. And He's working sometimes in ways that the intentions of those high and mighty principalities and potentates are absolutely not thinking about or intending that he will take the awful things of the world, that he will take the works of Satan and he will accomplish the works of Christ by them. It is his glory to make his own enemies serve to the good of the church of Jesus Christ. It is his own glory to look upon his son's bride and make her enemies and though we cannot see with the eyes of the flesh, always the Lord doing these very things. Though I think if we are people that remember our prayers and remember intentionally when the Lord answers them, we will start to see with our eyes even the glimpses and the shadows of the good that God does in all things, the good that God makes all things be for the church, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we see it in the very beginnings of the earthly human life of Jesus Christ, where the powers of the world and the suffering and the poverty even of his people are served to bring riches and glory and mercy to the Church of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you again this morning in the name of Christ. And we ask that we would remember uh, the, the birth and the humble beginnings of our Savior. That we might know that he has suffered as we have suffered in all things yet without sin, that we might be blessed in him. And Father, we ask that you would bless us in him. We ask, Father, that you would cast out all iniquity. We ask, Father, that you would cast out all doubt, that you would give us not only hope, but a firm faith to cling to that heavenly country that you have for us in Christ, that we might despise the offerings and the vanities of this world, but that we might glory in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.